Welcome to Simple Truth Love, a place where we talk about self-leadership, self-care, and self-love. With the hope that our self-help conversations might inspire you to look at fundamental well-being practices. Here, we'll dissect powerful words and explore how those words can enable or disable us from being our best selves. And contemplate things together that make us be the best we can be. I'm Cindy Bradshaw, Recovering People Pleaser. And I'm Rochelle Doyle, Recovering Enabler. Our focus this week is on the truth. So since this is our first episode, I guess we should start with our truth. Cindy, what would you say our truth is? Well, our truth starts with how we met. You and I both worked in a very dynamic, fast-paced environment, and it seemed like everything there was a five-alarm fire. We would get lost in great conversations about the critical nature of self-leadership, self-care, and self-love and how they play out in our lives. After having many uplifting conversations, we thought we'd start to record these conversations in hopes that they might inspire others to look at fundamental well-being practices. Right. So we've developed a vision of dissecting some really powerful words, and we're going to explore how those words can enable or disable us from being our best selves. We've spent the last couple of weeks studying truth. Rochelle, why is truth a word that we need to dissect? And what does truth mean in terms of self-leadership, self-care, and self-love? To me, it can mean facing some really uncomfortable moments. Truth manifests itself to me like the exact opposite of love, care, and leadership. A lot of truth is icky. Yeah, especially in our society where we glamorize who we are through things like social media, filtered images of ourselves. Yeah, the truth can seem ugly in comparison, but it's for the good of the long term to be able to face truths. Take a healthy relationship, for example. If you met me on Facebook, you've only seen my glossed over images. Cindy, I literally used an app called BodyTune Editor the other day <laughs> to hide my COVID-19. If you fall in lust with my best angles and you meet me in person, You'll be disappointed and maybe even angry that you've been lied to. This is what we do often in relationships in a long-term way. In the courting stage, there's no dishes in my sink and my nails are always painted. And I'm bypassing asking questions about things that you say to me that don't make sense. But later on down the road, the truth comes out. So for our own care and love, it serves us to present as much as the truth as possible. Number one, we aren't hiding who we are, which is unconsciously showing shame. And number two, we aren't setting ourselves up for failure. Right. And to add to that, the truth means honesty with yourself. Are you being honest with yourself and expressing or practicing what it is that you need to be complete? Are you asking the world for what you need to be your best to be whole? Your truth is the very thing that will create positive self-leadership, self-care, and self-love. So what do you think compromising truth looks like? Why do we lie? Hmm. Well, compromising the truth can be that you put others' needs in front of your own, I think. Um, We do this because we want to be liked or seen as capable and helpful. If we lie to ourselves and tell ourselves it's better to be liked than to be selfish, however... We resent the lies because it doesn't create self-leadership, self-care, and self-love. We have now just compromised ourselves for the approval of others. It feels good to be liked, but if you have true self-love, only what you need really matters. But how do you tell the truth in those moments when it feels confrontational? 
I've, I've really found that asking questions sometimes is a way to navigate that bridge between being confrontational and what feels confrontational and saying nothing. Hmm. So maybe posing a question. I have an example of someone who I didn't get along with at work for about a year because on top of two very different work styles, there was an assumption of ill will. When we both began to question that assumption and stopped accusing each other, we were able to ask each other where our confusion was. And that boiled down to the real issue saying, I understand your responsibility to be overseeing this part of a project and mine to be that part. Is that what you think created space for the other person to say, no, I understood it this way, but maybe we can try it your way. Or I don't think that's going to work because of X, Y, Z. And in relationships that works too, Cindy, I sort of blew off our meeting yesterday and you were so kind, but if you defaulted to you know, this is really irritating me. She doesn't take this seriously. You could have rightfully decided to give up in your mind. And if you'd asked a question as to what was going on and not like in an accusatory way, but curiously, I could have said, I'm a mess. The school year is terrifying me. I'm a zombie that stopped sleeping. And maybe you would have said, holy moly, take your time because our journey is focused on human beings being able to thrive. Right. So asking non-confrontational questions unpacks a little bit and reveals the truth. What about different truths that people hold? Have you had a conversation with another person where you walk away thinking, ooh, that didn't feel good? Yes. That felt weird for me. And the other person is like, hey, we had a really great conversation. Oh, my God. And then you're like, that was great for you? Everyone definitely has different perspectives. I was listening to a podcast and this guy was talking about the truth and he asked, how's the truth different from reality? Everyone's reality and everyone's truth is different and you can have the same exact experience. And whoever you are who's a human being, things that you say and do have different impacts on each other. Like somebody might not think twice about something I find offensive or hurtful. Depending on experiences you have, you are going to have a heightened awareness to certain issues that someone else might not have, be it race, gender, neurological differences, or anything. Yeah. I think that the reality belongs to an objective, like a third party. The reality belongs to God. Right. And how you see the world is like your own rose-colored glasses. You're going to see the world in a certain way, and somebody else could be in that same situation and the truth is completely different. Reality is when you take those two perspectives out of it. So I think that on our tools to develop a commitment to truth, something we've circled around is trying on a practice of truth. Absolutely. And last night I was in a class and they said, if you're a person who participates often and steps up, try not doing that during this class. They said that if you're someone that never gives your opinion, try giving it. So it was trying on sort of this new hat and see how it feels. It was really weird for me because I'm always a person that if you say, you know, put in the chat what your feelings are today, I feel like I have to do it. I'm just one of those people who plays by the rule. So practicing that was really strange for me. And last night I did not respond to one question and it felt so weird. I think that what you're touching on is authenticity and it's shifting, which answers that question, can your truth change? So by you trying something new, that's kind of the balance of authenticity and truth in this habit we have of trying on new things and looking at how others do things and how other people 
try things out and saying, oh, I like how they did that. I want to try that on or seeing things in ourselves and other people that we don't like and saying, oh, I do that same thing and I don't want to try it on, see how it feels, say, I want to do that again, or I don't want to do that again. Yeah, it's a good tool to finding your truth, trying on different things and see how they work for you. Sometimes it might feel better or worse, but the point is that you learn about yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to undo your habit life. You've always done things because your parents expected it of you or society did. You were taught to be like as a woman, you were taught to not make any problems and be really sweet to everyone because of patterning. But your truth, maybe you might feel really good being a fly on the wall, which I never am. It can feel really (laughs) freeing. (laughs) Another tool is presence. In order to get to the truth, you have to be very present with yourself and you have to take a pause, meditate, go internally to really know what feels right. You have to give yourself a choice. Does it feel better to pipe in or to listen? And I can change from day to day or even the subject too. Yeah, I also think it depends on who it is that you're talking to. Your psychological safety can determine when you speak up. Mm, Safety is a tool. If I'm around a bunch of people I've never met before and we're talking about politics or a certain issue that many people are much more informed of, I might not feel like I can share my opinion. So on that topic of psychological safety, you're somebody who doesn't like conflict. I know this about the two of us. We don't like conflict. Uh Uh-huh. Absolutely. 110%. And because of this, it feels awkward or awful to stick up for yourself during conflict. But at the end of the day, does it feel better than when you didn't? And that's where the truth lies. If something's super hard for you, you tend to lie to yourself and say, oh, it's much easier to not engage with this person. But in the long term... Yeah, well, you're jeopardizing yourself and your truth because you didn't say anything. Maybe habit life is telling you not to speak up. This goes into generational avoidances of conflict, talking about what our parents taught us. Mm, it's very female, too. Yeah, especially with older parents. You aren't allowed to talk back or in front of adults or others. You're not allowed to speak up. And sometimes I think that in parents teaching obedience, they're accidentally teaching obedience to the wrong thing. Definitely. I think males are taught to be as acquiescent as females. Society plays a role in telling us who we are in terms of gender and race. Uh, I remember being 18 years old and working in the restaurant industry and being around all Caucasian people and being teased by bosses because they felt like my neck moved in a certain way or for me putting my hand on my hip or, you know, people would look at me and say, oh, no, you didn't if I spoke up for myself. And I would have to just deadpan, look at them and say, excuse me, that's not how I'm speaking to you. Did you see the hate you give? Mm -hmm. When she was at the all white prep school, she had to actually be a different person. Right. Code switching. Because if she acted like she did at home with her friends, people wouldn't accept her. Society teaches you whether through race, gender, or sexuality, how to interact with different people. So then you aren't really actually being truthful with yourself. Well, and I think that's a huge part of facing your own truth and learning to reject some of what society has put on you and come out and be whoever it is that you want to be. Yeah, I think as a tool can be how you want to be seen as a role model to younger people. If I've been taught to be subservient and docile and someone comes up to me and insists on helping me put groceries in my car, I have a hard time saying no and being forceful, but I know I need to do that to protect myself but it feels really awkward. But how would I want my daughter handling these situations? 
If I think about it from that perspective, it becomes much easier to say, absolutely not. It's a way of asking the right questions and helping to kind of guide you in the right path. Look at the good and important parts of your life and ask how what you are doing in the moment affirms or hurts that. Right. And I think it's important to bring into consciousness who it is that you're surrounding yourself with, too. I read somewhere that if you hang out with five millionaires, you'll become the sixth. If you hang out with five drunks, you'll become the sixth. If you hang out with five homeowners, you'll become the sixth. So (laughs) be conscious of who you're surrounding yourself with, and those people will help you to become accountable. Right. And the same thing can be said about negative people. Sometimes people can be around you that are so negative that you have to hold yourself accountable to kind of rise above that sort of interaction. If not, the negativity will get to the point where you won't even realize it's happening anymore. And it's such a toxic environment. Okay. So what about work? What if it's an unavoidable group? Well, sometimes we all have to be in those environments, but you don't have to play along. I can conduct myself in a better way. That makes me feel proud. Yeah, we have to talk about this in a future episode. It's so important. This idea that what your eyes see and what your ears hear, where they sit inside your inner self and how that builds who you are. Yeah, that's really the importance of pausing and meditation. The truth is going to come up. If something stresses me out, I'm going to get like tightness in my chest and I really have to slow down and pay attention to that. And the opposite end, if something makes you feel really good, you feel warmth in your heart and it's important to listen to that. It's kind of what causes those moments. Pay attention. What is on your soul level that made this meaningful for you? Those are clues into what you should be doing. Those are really clues into your truth and your authentic self. Nothing is worse than doing something in your life that makes you miserable. You know the quote, what are you going to do with this one wild and precious life? I love that quote. And it's such a truth tool to even just sit and reflect on that you're able to remind yourself of what does feel good. Mm -hmm. So I think we're getting ready to close. Let's recap some of the tools for truth telling. So number one, try on a practice of truth, leaning into the uncomfortable. And that means questioning your habit life. Don't be busy to be busy. It's something that I am guilty of. Recognize that being busy can be an addiction to not face truths in your life. Avoidance is a way to not have to own your truth. And we live in a society that is trying to promote that. So remember to ask yourself also, how do you want to be seen as a role model? And number two, be present with yourself. Go ahead and take a pause. Practice meditating for five minutes. Do not be afraid to tell somebody that you need a day or two to think about an answer. Mm. Be authentic and don't hide who you are to appease others. Listen to what your body is trying to tell you. And number three, Remember, reality is different for everyone. Listen to others and try not to make assumptions about them. Ask more questions so there's clarity. Mm -hmm. Lastly, safety is a tool, both physically and psychologically. Be conscious of who you surround yourself with and where you are so that you can be emboldened to practice truth-telling when you want to and emboldened to stay quiet when it feels right. Right. Both of those can be your truth. Cindy, I feel like we're prepared. We're going out into the world. We're truth channeling machines. We can do it. Talk to you soon.